Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Making Money. The financial coach, Ron Hebert, is here, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, retired broadcaster. We've been talking about home ownership, something that I think most people aspire to. I suppose there are portions of the population that couldn't be bothered to own their own place. They're happy to rent. That's all well and good. But if you are someone who wants to buy your own first home, often the, the real stumbling block is right out of the gate, Ron. you got to come up with that down payment. I remember when I was in university, and we'll get to where I lived in a minute, but most of my friends lived maybe six blocks from the university. They got this big old house, and I knew all six of them. And they lived there for, most of them worked, and they went to university there, and they stuck around for a couple of years afterwards. But between them, their rental costs were like $150 a month. Nothing. You know, and it was a big old house. It wasn't the greatest house, but frankly, it had a lot of rooms, and you could pack it up with, with poor students or people who had graduated and didn't have a lot of money yet. But of all those six people that lived there, each one of them, because they paid so little in rent and they put money away, were able to, after a few years, they had enough money for a down payment on their own home. So, frankly, if you're just starting and you don't mind, get yourself a big house that you can rent and fill it up with your friends. Be maybe like a frat house for the first few years, but when you're young, does it really matter? <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's a, a good <laughs> and, time was had by all. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, of course, uh, you know, occasionally there'd be squabbles because there'd be too many dishes in the, in the sink or somebody yeah. left beer on the table, but... Uh, the amount you save in rent, if you put it toward your down payment, you'll be able to save much, much faster by doing that. Now, I didn't do that, but I lived with my folks. And, of course, I lived with them after university for about a year and a half, two years. And, frankly, that allowed me, uh, they, they were nice enough to charge me a very nominal rate of rent. But everything else, uh, I managed to stash away. And in literally 18 months, I had enough for a down payment on a small house. So, you know, by living with your folks, probably not the most ideal arrangement. By the time you're 20, usually they're as anxious to get rid of you as you are to get out on your own. But if you're, you can talk them into letting you stay there and not charge you too much, and if you have the discipline, you can save very, very quickly for a down payment. So that's not a bad idea. Now, what about rent close to work and amenities so you don't need a car, right? You can hoof it to work or take the bus or whatever. I think a lot of people don't realize how much a car costs. You know, typically if you're young, you can pay 1000 to $2,000 just in insurance per year. And so, you know, it's not hard to, you add all the costs in and you're looking at 50 cents to a dollar a kilometer for car ownership. And we're going to get into this on another show, but you know, cars depreciate usually over three or four years by half. And so if you could take a $30,000 vehicle that after three, year, three years is worth 15, right there, you're in a lot of cases, you're going to have a pretty substantial chunk of your down payment paid for just in the depreciation you've saved on your car. So be somewhere that, that, that walking is an option for getting to work. Look for a home where you can get some vendor financing. Now, especially around here the last few years, I mean, the bloom is certainly off the rose when it comes to the energy sector. And as a result, much of the pressure 
that push prices up is gone. And so you don't have the um, you don't have the population moving in here that's pushing prices up and creating lots of buyers. So right now you've got people who are maybe they've moved to Alberta, they set up their family here, and all of a sudden they're without a job. And they'd like to go back to Ontario or Newfoundland or wherever they're from, but they can't sell their place because the buyers can't get the financing, can't get the down payment. Well, if you're careful and you look, often you'll get some vendor financing where maybe someone owns the home. They'd like to sell it to you, but because you can't get the financing, they'll carry the mortgage. So if you get them to personally carry the mortgage, so you're paying them, they're the banker, instead of going to the bank, sometimes you can make special arrangements which allow you to get in with a little less of a down payment or no down payment at all. And um, That's you know, kind of going around the CMHC rules, right? Yeah, yeah. it's going yeah. around the CMHC rules, but CMHC isn't involved because you're not dealing with a, a, financial a Canadian financial institution to get your financing. So what about, uh, and this is one, I, this might not be a tonic that a lot of people, you know, but we've, I think we've all known people over the years who are just more ambitious than others. That's really what it comes down to. They take a part-time job as an example, right? Oh, yeah. One of my sons has taken a part-time job. He's got a job where he works 35 hours a week, but he's taken a job where he's working another 15 hours a week. And all the money from that 15-hour-a-week job is going toward a down payment on a house. And so, yeah, it's going to take him a little while to get there, but he's been very disciplined. That money all goes into the savings account. So he's moving in that direction. Well, always mom and dad too, right? Or not always. Maybe mom and dad don't have the financial wherewithal, but they've been around a little longer. They've had a chance to maybe accrue a little bit of wealth. Ask mom and dad for some help. Yeah, the bank of mom and dad, often, often if you're smooth, uh, you can get them to help you with your down payment or give you a loan. And if you suck up to them, you might even be able to get at advantageous terms where there's no interest attached. You're just paying the back principal. I know, uh, I think it was our first house. My parents helped me with part of the down payment, and I had to pay them back, but they did it with, as an interest-free loan, so it was great. So, yeah, talk to mom and dad and get in on the good side, and maybe they can set something up. Set up a plan at the bank where you just automatically make, is it like a basic deduction that goes towards a savings plan for a down payment? Yeah, so what happens is that when typically if you're working, most of your employers now have automatic deposits. So they want to know what your bank account is and they deposit right to the bank account. Well, it's tempting as soon as that money gets there to start spending it, you know, to go out with the boys on the weekend and. Uh, yeah, buy that new cell phone. Yeah, yeah. buy the new cell phone, go <laughs> yeah. to an Oilers game, buy some new parts for your car, whatever. But if you pay yourself first, and that's one of the, the oldest financial planning tools in the book, is to have the bank immediately take that money and invest it for you. And so by doing that, especially if you put it in a place where there's a bit of a penalty for it to come out, like put it in an RSP, um, there's a penalty to take it out, and it's the first thing that disappears every month, and you quickly learn to adjust your lifestyle so the amount of money that's going for your down payment every month and is being pulled out by the bank and put in a savings account, uh, you're not going to miss it. And that is, that is a plan that a lot of people have used. They've set up an RSP, 
They make contributions to it on a monthly basis, and then after three or four years, all of a sudden they've got a chunk of dough, and you have that ability with an RSP to take that money out to use it as a down payment, do you not? Absolutely. One source of funds that is often overlooked is the program that's uh, called the Home Buyer's Plan. And that's a first-time home uh, purchaser plan where if you're buying a house for the first time, you're eligible to borrow up to $25,000 in the form of an interest-free loan from your RSP to use as a down payment. Now, if you're a couple, you can use your $25,000 and you can use theirs. So all of a sudden, you've got $50,000 to put down toward a house. Now, the advantages of this is that it's pre-tax money. So if you find that half your money goes to Revenue Canada or CRA uh, that's taken right off the top of your paycheck, well, it, you're paying for a house or you're saving for a house with after-tax money or about half the amount that you would if you could do pre-tax. So if you put money into an RSP, you're putting 100 cent dollars in there and saving for a house. And that's a very effective way because you can usually save for a down payment twice as fast if you're using tax-free money. The only thing with this is there's a catch if you can call it that, and that the loan has to be repaid in 15 years. And uh, so you do have to pay it back. You just can't take it out and leave it in the real estate. You have to, you have to pay that loan back. But uh, I would highly recommend to everybody that that is a very, very good way to save for your first house. There's been a lot of talk here. You know, we saw what happened down in the States in 2008 when the financial bubble burst and, and real estate really took it on the chin in so many parts of America. There's been a lot of talk about a real estate bubble in Canada. What, what's your take on that? Well, I think it depends on where you are because most places in Canada, a couple can buy a home with, and homes are priced within three and a half times a married couple's annual income. And that's sort of the upper edge that you should be looking at if you're buying a house. Now, if you're in Toronto or you're in Victoria or you're in Vancouver, those numbers don't apply. They're eight, nine, 10, 11 times. I mean, they're crazy numbers. But for the rest of the country, um, it still isn't that bad. I mean, you have to look for opportunities. And like we said before, it, it helps to be a little bit creative. I mean, you buy a house that maybe needs some work. I know when we bought our, our cottage, well, there were, at the time, there was a number of houses that slid, that were on the riverbank, that slid down into the river valley. And uh, so what we did, and my, well, my wife did, well, she asked if we could take out the hardwood, we could take out the fireplace, we could take out the cabinetry. So I went with some friends and we took all that out, bathroom sinks, and it was all really nice, high quality stuff, toilets. And we loaded it up in a truck. I think it cost me 1500 bucks for all of that, for the flooring, for the cabinets, for the, for the doors. Just dealing with an insurance company, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we used that for the interior of our house. And the cabinets, we had to cut down a little bit to make them fit into the um, lake lot. Uh, property we had but uh, here again you know it's very tough 
if you're not thinking outside the box. If you're thinking outside the box a bit, you're going to auctions and maybe you're finding things that you need to put in your house if you need to fix it up. Somebody's going bankrupt. Uh, you get a store going bankrupt that's selling fridges and stoves and you're buying stuff at auction really cheap. Going to if, Habitat for Humanity stores. But they've got a lot of recycled stuff there. That, you a know. lot of great stuff, you know. Yeah. We're going to Kijiji or, or wherever you can find secondhand things. And if you're a little bit creative, um, you can save for a property or you can buy a property and fix it up for far less cost. So use your imagination a little bit. It'll take you a long way. And, and one final thing here. When we talked about CMHC, the rules did change just a handful of years ago. It used to be a 10% down payment. Right now it's 20 Yeah. And it, is that, was that done to try to slow things down and, and ease the pressure on this perceived bubble? I think that the center of the universe for most people is either Vancouver or Toronto. And most of the people that live in sort of that Toronto corridor or live in Vancouver, I'm not sure how much time they've actually spent wandering out into the, the, the hinterlands, as you would call <laughs> it. So you've got two very different worlds. And I would think that over time that they would take this into consideration that, you know, in places that are where there is a housing bubble and there's a risk of a collapse, that, yeah, you keep prices a little bit tighter. But in an area like Edmonton or an area like Saskatchewan or Manitoba... Real estate's much more affordable. Or northern Ontario or yeah. Quebec or the Maritimes. I mean, when I was out in Maritimes here four weeks ago, I could still buy a four-acre property outside Lewisburg right on the water for $25,000. I mean, that's an entirely different world rather than trying to buy a waterfront property in Victoria or Vancouver or on Lake Ontario. So there you go. Maybe not as difficult as you think. Think outside the box, have a plan, and work the plan. How many times have we said that over the last little while? Makes sense. It makes sense. Ron Hebert is the financial coach. The show is called Making Money. We're back with another installment next week. Thanks for listening. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.